Well, good morning. Again, welcome to Warden. And as Pastor Carrie Ann just mentioned, today I'm continuing in our series on the essential truths. Last week, Pastor Peter spoke about the Trinity. And if you didn't get to hear it, you need to go online and listen because it was very, very good. And uh, today I get to speak about the Bible. Now, I remember when I was a child, we used to sing this little song in Sunday school. Maybe you remember it too. We'd hold our Bible up real high and we'd sing. I'll say it because I can't sing. But we would sing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And we'd yell at the top of our lungs, do it with me. Bible! (laughs) All right, good job. (laughs) That's such a simple song, but yet it is so profound. Because the Bible is the only book that we can stand on because it's God's word to us. And I am so thankful for the Bible. An unknown writer once said, This book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. Its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. I am just in awe of this book. The Bible is essential to our faith. We have a relationship with Jesus, not the Bible, but what we believe to be true about the Bible is very important and it affects that relationship. So I'd like to begin by reading what the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada Statement of Essential Truths says about the Bible. But before we do, let's just pause for a moment and pray. God, we thank you for your word. It is essential to our faith and what we believe about is important. So God, we thank you that you've given us your word, that it is revealed to us, that we can stand on the truth that is in that word, God. I pray today as we look into your word and talk about your word that you would give us an even greater love for the word of God, that we would just desire it more than ever before. God, I just thank you, and I ask that uh, you would just help me as I speak today, and just by your Holy Spirit, minister to everyone in the way they need to receive it today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Um, So yeah, I'm going to read the Statement of Essential Truths, what it says about the Bible. If you want to find a copy yourself, you can look at the PAOC website, and it'll tell you um, what those essential truths are. But this is what it says about the Bible. It says, the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, is the written revelation of God's character and saving purposes for humanity and for all creation. As God's revelation, the entire Bible is true and trustworthy and is the final and absolute authority for belief and conduct. The Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible enables its interpretation. 
interpretation and application. We're going to break down those sentences a little bit as we go along. Now, you may remember this, but uh, there was this FedEx Super Bowl commercial a few years ago that spoofed the movie Castaway, in which Tom Hanks played a FedEx worker whose company plane went down, stranding him on a desert island for years. Well, looking like the disheveled Hanks in the movie, the FedEx employee in the commercial goes up to this door of a suburban home with package in hand. Just watch and see what happens. I find it so funny. Maybe you will too. Hi. Hi. I was marooned on an island for five years with this package. And I swore that I would deliver it to you because I work for FedEx. That's very admirable. Thank you. Hey, well, by the way, what's in the package? Huh, nothing really. Just a satellite phone, GPS locator, fishing rod, water purifier, and some seeds. Just silly stuff. Thank you again. You keep up the good work. I love that commercial. <laughs> like the contents of that package, the resources for life, for growth, and strength are available for every Christian in the Bible. But we need to open it, read it, and apply it. Uh, in Canada, unlike some countries, we have unlimited unrestricted access to the Bible. We can go to any bookstore, we can go online, and we can buy a Bible. We can get every version, we can get extra resources to help us study the Bible. We can even download a free Bible on our phone. But I think because the Bible is so readily available to us, we can take it for granted rather than treasuring it as the precious resource that it truly is. It's like the couple that sent their son off to college. When he left, they gave him a Bible and they told him to read it carefully because it would be very helpful. Well, after a few weeks of school, the son wrote home and told his parents that he needed a little extra money. So the parents wrote to the son and told him, read John 3.16. Well, the son wrote back and said, okay, I read that. Now, what about my money? And the parents wrote back and said, I know you're not telling the truth because between every page that has one of our favorite verses on it is a $100 bill. <laughs> the Bible might not be full of $100 bills, but it is full of treasures. Now, most of you already believe that the Bible is important. But I want you to go away today so convinced of it that you actually fall in love with the Bible, that you want to read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and most importantly, apply it on a regular, ongoing basis. D.L. Moody, in reference to the power of God's word, once said, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. Great quote, right? Let's not let anything keep us from the Bible. The Bible is important because it's God's revelation to us. The Bible reveals us, and the Bible is relevant to us. First of all, let's look at how the Bible is God's revelation to us. In my studies for today, I came across the seven wonders of the Bible, the first wonder is that of its formation. The way in which it grew is one of the mysteries of time. 
The second wonder is that of its unification. It's a library of 66 books, yet it's one book. It's also the wonder of its age. It's the most ancient of all books. The fourth wonder is of its sale. It's a bestseller of all time. The fifth wonder is of its interest. It's the only book in the world read by all classes of people. The sixth wonder is its language. It was written largely by uneducated men, yet it's the best book from a literary standpoint. And the seventh wonder is that of its preservation. It is probably the most hated of all books, and yet it continues to exist. The Bible is truly amazing. So if you have this amazing book with you, you can turn in it to 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, while that's a short text, it's perhaps one of the most insightful in the Bible on the reason why we study the Bible. Paul, who wrote this to Timothy, was giving him instruction on the importance of God's word. Paul begins by saying, all scripture is inspired by God. The statement in the Soet puts it this way. The Bible, both Old and New Testaments, is the written revelation of God's character and saving purposes for humanity and for all creation. Now, this attests that both Testaments have equal status as God's word. There have been attempts, both old and new, to suggest that the Old Testament is inferior to the new, but the so it contains none of that sentiment. They may differ in content and form, but together they comprise the sacred text, and both are applicable to us. Like this Rubik's Cube, it might seem complicated, but when it, all the scriptures come together, they make one cohesive book. The Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, with its 39 books from Genesis to Malachi, provide an unbroken link between the creation of the world and the culmination of God's saving purposes through Jesus. It contains God's earliest promise of salvation, and it chronicles the redemptive history of humanity through God's chosen people, Israel. It contains many prophecies that are ultimately fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus. It's significant to note the dependence of the New Testament on the Old Testament. There are over 280 direct Old Testament quotations and around 800 allusions to the Old Testament in the New Testament. Now, the New Testament contains 27 books. These books, from Matthew to Revelation, circulated independently throughout the first century AD. The Soet asserts that together, both the Old Testament and the New Testament are God's written revelation to us. Now, the reason the Bible is so important, many, more than any other reason, is because it's God's word to us. I think John Calvin put it well when he said, this is a principle which distinguishes our religion from all others, that we know that God has spoken to us and are fully convinced that the prophets didn't speak at their own suggestion, but that being organs of the Holy Spirit, they only uttered what they had been commissioned from heaven to declare. 
So when we talk about reading the Bible, we need to realize that it's not just some other book. It is God's living word to us. Paul goes on to say in that verse, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. First, it teaches us. The Bible is God's manual for showing us how to travel this road called life. It teaches us how to live. How many times have you or I said, oh, I wish somebody would just show me how to get this right or what I need to do in this situation? Well, the Bible does that and more. The Bible deals with everything we need to live life. It deals with relationships, how to raise children, conflict, finances, and I could go on and on because the Bible reveals all the answers that we need for life. Second, it rebukes us. Now, I don't like that word rebuke, and I certainly don't enjoy getting rebuked, but everyone needs feedback once in a while. And while it may not always feel good in the moment, God's word provides the best feedback. Rebuking simply makes us better people, and that's God's way of showing us when we get sidetracked on this road that leads to life. Third, we're equipped through correction. Now, while rebuking shows us where we've gone off track, correction shows us how to get back on the road. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Reading the Bible helps us know what's right and what God requires of us. Fourth, we're equipped through training. And this is where the Bible is proactive in showing us how to stay on the road. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. See, when we don't know which way to go, the Bible will tell you. When you don't know what to do, the Bible will tell you. When you don't know what to say, the Bible will tell you. When you don't know how to react, the Bible will tell you because it is God's revelation to us. Another thing the Bible does is the Bible reveals us. The so it goes on to say, as God's revelation, the entire Bible is true and trustworthy and is the final and absolute authority for belief and conduct. Now, there are some very significant implications to reflect on from this short sentence. In other words, what it's saying is the Bible advises us about what to believe and how to behave. It shows us what is true. Uh, many years ago, a certain missionary society, in order to gain access to work in some of the African tribes, sent trinkets down to be bartered with the people. Among them were a package of hand mirrors. Now, the people at that point had never seen their own faces except in the waters of some lake or stream. So the news of this wonderful instrument by which people could see their features spread abroad. The missionary was invited by tribe after tribe to visit them with his mirrors. Well, in the very interior, there was a princess in one of the tribes who had been told that she was the most beautiful woman on earth. When she heard of this instrument in which she might see what a beautiful creature she was, she asked the missionary to bring one of the mirrors. Well, the truth was she was probably the least attractive woman in the tribe. 
Well, she took the mirror into her hut to take a good long look at her beauty. And when she held up the glass and saw what she really looked like, she lifted her royal fist and broke the glass to pieces and banished the missionary and made a law that no looking glass should ever be brought into the tribe again. Now, why did the princess hate the mirror? Uh, because it told her the truth about herself and she didn't like it. It revealed who she really was. And we also see that God's word is likened to a mirror. In James 1, 23 to 25, it says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. See, as we look into God's word, it reveals who we really are in the light of his holiness. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, 12 and 13, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This verse describes God's word, first of all, as alive and active. The adjective alive is at the beginning of the verse and perhaps for emphasis. And it tells us that the Bible is not outdated. It's not some dead script from a bygone era. It still exists as a dynamic force to be reckoned with. Active tells us that the word of God is effective in carrying out God's intention. The same word that at creation set the elements of the universe to their appointed task and still governs the universe towards God's desired intentions has the ability to affect change in people. It's not passive, but dynamic, interactive, and it has the power to transform lives. The verse goes on to say, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. God's word is sharp. It cuts. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. I read that the double-edged sword was the sharpest sword in ancient weaponry. Now here, the word of God is described as sharper than the sharpest sword. It has an edge to it. Now the message Bible paraphrase says it this way. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defiance, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. You can't get away from it no matter what. I think many of us have probably experienced what that verse is talking about. Think about it. Have you ever listened to a sermon and wondered how that sermon could be so fitting for what you're experiencing? You might even think that somebody talked to the pastor and has given them some inside information about you. Uh, the truth is, it's not the teacher or the preacher. It's the word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit, delivering the right message in the right time in the right place. 
In one Peanuts comic strip, we see Charlie Brown's sister, Sally, and she's struggling with her memory verse for Sunday. She was lost in her thoughts, trying to figure out what it says. And then she says out loud, maybe it's something from the book of reevaluation. Uh, she never did remember the memory verse, but she gives us something to remember. When it comes to studying the Bible, we should always read the Bible with the intent of reevaluating our attitudes and our actions to make sure that they line up with the truth of God's word, because God's word reveals us. Another thing that's important to understand about the Bible is that it is relevant to us. The solid about the Bible goes on to say, the Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible enables its interpretation and application. See, the Holy Spirit works through the reading and proclamation of Scripture by facilitating the application of the interpreted text. A conviction to move in a certain direction or to change a certain behavior are examples of how the Spirit works in applying Scripture to our lives, both individually and corporately. The Bible applies to us. It is relevant to our everyday lives. Well, we're very aware, I know I am, that there are moments when the Spirit brings a text to life for us in meaning and application, bringing life and direction at a time when we need it the most. But that's not surprising, is it? Because the Holy Spirit who first inspired the text is still with us. He is living in us. And the Holy Spirit uses Scripture to inspire us and to bring us hope. Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And what Paul is saying here is that the Bible is a book of purpose and that there's unity of thought throughout all of its pages. We learn important lessons from what we read in the Bible, and those things can inspire us to live right and give us encouragement and hope. It is so very relevant to our lives. One way the Bible encourages us is through the Old Testament stories. The stories of people of faith in the Old Testament can teach us a great deal. Through the stories, we learn things like the faith of Abraham, the endurance of Jacob, from Joseph, we learn that good things can happen from bad circumstances. From the stories of Moses and the Exodus, we learn about the faithfulness of God. From Samuel, we learn to listen for the voice of God, and the list goes on and on. The Bible also encourages us through the promises of God. As we read the Bible, we come across the great promises of Scripture. We see in the Bible that God promises that he is always with us. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. He promises that he will bring justice and he'll never stop loving us. He promises that he has prepared a place for us and he will provide for our needs. He promises that he will give us strength for hard times and that those who believe will live even though they die. Now, there are so many wonderful promises in the Bible. I couldn't possibly tell you them all. But what we can remember is something that Pastor Tom Richardson always used to say. He used to say, the future is as bright as the promises of God. 
You know, another way the Bible encourages hope is through the message of salvation. The, the Bible points to the fact of people's sin and the hopelessness of our situation. Now, why is that valuable? Well, it's valuable because it shows us that the performance approach to salvation will never work. We could never earn our salvation. Our only hope of salvation is in Jesus. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And even though we don't deserve it, we can have confidence and hope in heaven through faith in Christ alone. We're not saved either because we master information related to the Bible. We're saved when we put our trust and confidence in Christ. Uh, I can't think of anything that's more relevant to our lives than that. The Bible also encourages hope by telling us a future judgment. Now, you might think, well, how does that help us have hope? Well, first, because it affirms that there is a future. If there's a day of judgment, then there's life beyond the grave. Second, the reality of judgment shows us that there will be justice in the world. Those who've been falsely accused will be vindicated. Those who thought they were getting away with something will be called into account. And finally, the message of judgment points to the reality of heaven. There is a better day coming. And even if things of this life seem wrong, even if you feel like you've been cheated or suffered more than your own share, this is not the end of the story. The reality of heaven gives us hope. The New Living Translation of Romans 15.4 puts it this way. The scripture gives us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. The Bible is relevant because it gives us hope for the present. It gives us hope for the future. And it gives us hope to carry on. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says, So encourage each other with these words. See, the Bible was written and preserved so that we might benefit. The truths and precepts are timeless. It's relevant because it advises us and it applies to us. However, the Bible can't do anything in your life until you pick it up and you actually read it and apply it to your life. I've heard it said that God's word is like salt in the back of your car in the winter. It's a lot more useful when you take it out and apply it. The question this morning is, will you read the Bible? Will you allow the power of God's living word to teach you, convict you, encourage you, and change you? If your answer is yes, then I'd just like to give you some simple, basic suggestions for getting started. The first one is, if you are not already doing this, begin a regular Bible reading program and stick with it. Not to be legalistic and not because you have to or you think that God's going to be more pleased with you if you do that, but because you fall in love with God's word. You know, there are programs in some of the study Bibles that can help. There are even Bible reading programs online that can be helpful. Or maybe you're someone that likes to go walking or running or, or you spend a lot of time in your car on the TTC. You might want to download an audio version of the Bible to listen to. Just start. Whatever you're going to start, start by reading or listening to a section each day. And as you do, ask yourself, what is it that God wants me to learn from this passage? 
And then focus on those lessons as you pray and ask God to to direct you and, and inspire you. Another thing you could do is interact with the text. Underline key words. Jot down your thoughts and questions. Remind yourself to ask not only what did this text mean to those who received it, but ask what does God want me to learn from this text? Also, a good thing to do is get a version of the Bible in one that you can understand and that has understandable notes. That might help. You could also memorize scripture. Psalm 119.11 says that if we hide his word in our hearts, then we won't sin against God. So you could, if you wanted to, maybe set a goal of memorizing one verse a week and then review those at the end of the week. Uh, Another thing is take advantage of Bible study resources on the internet. You might not know this, but as a church, we subscribe to Right Now Media. And this is an amazing resource. It's like the Netflix for Christian Bible studies. There are so many amazing Bible studies that you can access, and it's for free. It's available to all of you. All you have to do is let me know, and I will set you up, and you can start listening to those Bible studies in the comfort of your own home. Another thing is, don't be intimidated by what you don't understand. Determine to practice what you do understand. It's like the story that was told of a man who was reading his Bible in a local park. A seminary professor came up to the man and said, what are you reading? And the man said, the book of Revelation. The professor asked, do you understand it? The man said, yep. And the professor asked, what is it saying? And the man answered, Jesus wins. (laughs) This man might not have understood everything, but he wasn't troubled by the details that he didn't understand at that point. He heard the message and he drew comfort and strength and encouragement from it. And that's our task. Rather than be intimidated by the fact that there are many things that we might not understand, read, celebrate, and apply what you do understand. I'm going to conclude with this story. Gaylard Camberani, the general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe, tried to give a man a New Testament. And this man was very belligerent. The man insisted that he would take it, but he was going to take the pages and roll them to make cigarettes. Well, Gaylord said, I understand that, but at least promise to read the pages of the New Testament before you smoke it. The man agreed, and the two went their separate ways. Fifteen years later, the two men met at a convention in Zimbabwe. The scripture-smoking pagan had been saved and was now a full-time evangelist. He told the audience, I smoked Matthew, I smoked Mark, I smoked Luke. But when I got to John 3.16, I couldn't smoke anymore. My life was changed from that moment. Aren't you glad that God's word is not just another book with words on paper? It is powerful and it is relevant to our lives. Psalm 119 verses 97 to 100 says, Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. 
let's fall in love with the Bible all over again. And like the mother who had a habit of reading your Bible every day, after observing this habit for some time, her four-year-old daughter asked, aren't you ever going to finish reading that book? Let's never finish reading the Bible. You know, one of the most amazing things about the Bible is that it tells God's story of grace and his plan to redeem mankind from sin. And if you're here and you have never accepted Jesus, I would encourage you to make that decision today to put your faith in Jesus, to forgive you, to cleanse you and give you new life. It's all in here. Tells about how Jesus came as a baby and he grew up a sinless life and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead and he is knocking at your heart's door because he loves you desperately and he wants to be in relationship with you. And if you do make that decision today, please let us know so that we can rejoice and journey with you. For those of us who have already made that decision, let's thank God for the Bible. And let's stand on the word of God daily. Let's, let's just stand on the B-I-B-L-E because that's the book for me. Let's do it and re, just re-find re that love once again for God's word. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's your revelation to us. It reveals who we are in the light of your holiness and that it is so relevant to our lives, God. Help us to open it, to read it, to fall in love with it and to apply it to our lives every day, God. I pray that if there's anyone here that needs a special um, touch from you today, whatever need might be in their body or their mind or their spirit, God, I pray that you would minister to them, that God, as they pick up your word, it would be like food that would just nourish their souls. God, we just need you so desperately, and I just pray that as we continue to worship you, that uh, we would just, just understand you even more completely this day. I thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship and Church is not over. Afterwards, make sure you stay and enjoy Cafe Connect. Get to know some people that you might not already know. God bless you.